Okay, so about this time last year, I started to struggle with depression a lot. So I'd already had a lot of problems with self-worth for years and years. So I can never be with people without this voice in my head going, you shouldn't be here, it's unfair of you to be here. You're making it horrible for everyone else by being here. And so whenever I'd with, I was with people, I always felt so guilty afterwards and tried to distance myself and stuff. And <laughs> then this depression came along and... Uh, yeah, last year went a bit interestingly. And then basically at the end of the summer, I was really not doing well. And then I went to Soul Survivor. And when I was there, I got prayed for about this. And I felt God say something about the end of September. And so after that, so I stopped having breakdowns. So I'd like every day I'd be having these breakdowns, just sobbing in a corner or whatever. And but I was still feeling really down until at the end of September, um, Samuel and I ran a youth session on joy. And that day, it was just like God filled me with this joy that just never left. And then that youth thing, so it was a talk on value. And uh, I was prayed for again. And all of these thoughts I'd always had, they just went. And for the first time that I ever remember, really, I was able to spend time with people without feeling guilty and like to be free. And it's just amazing. So yeah, God healed me, basically. <laughs> Well done, Lizzie. Uh, it's never very easy coming up and sharing what uh, has been going on, especially when it's been difficult as well. But it's testimony to what God has been doing in Lizzie's life. And it's just wonderful to hear that at the front. And uh, that's a little prelude to uh, what's going to happen in about 10 minutes time when we're opening up the mic really for people to share what God has been doing in their lives and to tell them, tell something of what God has done. Uh, for you maybe over this last year or maybe over the Christmas period or maybe a bit a while ago but uh, Nick is going to be leading that time so he will coordinate that um, a bit later. Uh, Kevin if you'd like to come up please I'd like you to share your word as we start the new year I thought Kevin uh, has got a word that he'd like to share with the church. I'm sorry, there's, there's lots of things that... Uh, um, one thing that I can say, um, and this isn't just from me, it's from people outside this church that I know that are, are uh, religious people, and they feel the same as what I felt, and there's a massive wind of change coming to Didcot. And you're going to see things that you won't believe uh, in this next 12 months and following on from that. There's going to be big changes... Um, there's going to be fantastic things that are going to happen. And I sincerely hope that this church is part of that. But that's down for you and the church to decide whether it's going to be for you or whether it won't be for you. But one thing's for sure, that it's going to happen because God's going to make this happen. Thank you. God's Holy Spirit, we haven't talked too much about God's Holy Spirit this morning, but God's Holy Spirit is always at work in this world, restoring, renewing, making things new, bringing a fresh wind of change. And that's what Kevin's referring to there, really. God's Holy Spirit at work, bringing a new thing to Didcot. And we need to be aware of that and be open to where God is leading us as a church, as well as not just us church, but all the churches in Didcot and the nation as well. 
So I thought that would be a good way to set up the year for us as we, we look at 2020. Okay, a couple of notices before children and youth go out. Um, the King's Church is part of Open Gate Churches. Uh, you, uh, but Nick's going to help guide us through this period. <laughs> cool. Okay, so in a moment we're going to invite people up to, to share testimony of, of what God is doing in our lives. Uh, just a few sort of guidelines first. Um, could you try and keep it to a max of three minutes? So there's time for you know, different people to share. Um, and there's a bit of a balance because um, people, people get really encouraged by this. Actually, I think this time is going to be really encouraging for all of us. And we want to um, put it up on the, record it and put it up on the website and so that children's workers and those sort of things can listen too. But it might be that you're sharing something that you don't want, you don't mind sharing here, but you don't want to go on that. If so, sort of tell Tim to switch off the recorder or go, or something like that, you know, that'll give the general impression, you know, so that um, so it doesn't get recorded and put up. Because that's really encouragement to people, but you might not want that to be out there. So that's just to say that. And there's a few people who've told me they want to share, and I'm sure there'll be lots of others um, who do as well. If we have sort of gaps, I might end up having to tell jokes, so that's bad news, so we're going to try and not do that. Um, just going to pray. Father, I want to thank you so much that you love each one of us. I thank you that you matter, uh, sorry, that we matter so much to you that your son Jesus died to save us and he rose again to bring us new life. And I thank you that through good times and bad, through difficulties and through joys, you are working in our lives and you help us. And I pray for us today that uh, as we share what's happening in our lives, some of it will be good, some of it will be bad. Um, I want to thank you that you're there. And as we listen and hear a little bit of what's going on in each other's lives, I pray you'd help us to be encouraged and to support and to love each other as you called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Great. Ruth, could you come and kick us off? morning everybody um so uh, i suppose that starting a new decade you think about you know the start of this century and, and of some of us that have lived through many decades um i'm just starting my i think it's my seventh or eighth decade i'm going into now not that i'm 70 or 80 um and and i wasn't going to share anything this morning it was only because of the things that have been said already this morning because the reason i wasn't going to share was i thought well actually you know i've had an all right year it's been fine so there's absolutely nothing to share that's of any benefit to anybody but actually the fact that i've had an all right year is actually huger perhaps than i was giving it credit for i started the the, the century, really quite a miserable old so-and-so, oh, properly, you know, clinically miserable. Um, and at the start of this decade, I was on quite a lot of medication and I was on more and more medication as this decade went on because not only was I mentally not very well, I became physically not very well um, with um, arthritis <coughs> and everything was a struggle. Um, but when... Um, I had a job that I absolutely loved, 
but it wasn't easy and that was really stressful. And I, I basically didn't really sleep properly for, you know, 20 years probably. And that's not good for your soul or your head or your, or your physical health. So, you know, but this year has been great. I started, I've been off antidepressants for over three years now, which is amazing. I gave testimony about that sort of three years ago, um, but, you know, gave the proviso that, you know, I would go back on them should I need to, because, you know, I don't want to take any, anything for granted. But actually, I've been fine, been really happy. And it, has, it occurred to me um, back in the autumn term that actually I don't need to feel guilty about not feeling stressed and unhappy all the time. But... A part of me did feel that, you know, I must be doing something wrong because actually I was happy. And um, that's an amazing thing. And I just want to encourage people, you know, you don't, you don't have to feel guilty when things are going well. Um, it, it doesn't belittle things for other people. Other people don't mind that, that things are okay for you. People generally want you to be, to be happy. And actually, I can stand before you at the start of 2020 saying I'm not on any medication at all. And I am healthy and physically healthy and mentally healthy and actually even not just my prescribed medication I'm hardly taking any painkillers and things which I used to you know just take all the time on top of everything um, and God says he loves me when I'm happy he loves me when I'm miserable um, and he wants good things for every single one of us in the words of the wonderful Adrian Plass God's nice and he likes you Thank you, Ruth. That's great. Paul, you're up. Okay. Um, the start of last year, uh, I was in the uh, middle of counselling. I decided at age 40, I needed to go back in order to go forward. Some couple of things had happened to me that I wanted to specifically go over. I thought, oh, maybe I'll do six weeks, eight weeks. Anyway, nine months. <laughs> of counselling, um, and uh, it was difficult, it was very difficult, but actually um, going through that process has really helped me to then move forward and go forward and look forward, um, and my head has been a lot better mentally, um, but also um, really just a sense of God at work in that process, not an easy process to go through, but God really at work. Uh, restoring uh, and helping me go forward. So that was a real testimony of God really going deep, deep down into stuff, uh, which uh, was wonderful that uh, came through that. And God, faithfulness was good coming through that time too and feeling now a lot better. Um, also, I want to testify really to God's faithfulness uh, in the sense of we lost Ed last year uh, and that was a very difficult time. And actually... Uh, really challenges some of our thoughts about things. <laughs> uh, I won't go into all of that now. But God's faithfulness to the Abingdon Church, God's faithfulness to Kate and the family um, has been quite amazing. Um, I'm just realising some people won't understand what happened, but we lost Ed, who led the Abingdon Church, who's part of our group of churches, who's age 43 uh, and left behind uh, a family and the whole church. Um, uh, but really a sense of God's faithfulness to uh, his people there but also to Kate and the family. And there's still a long road for Kate and the family, but Kate was testifying to God's faithfulness to her and the family um, in that period. So uh, I just wanted to share that too. Great, thank you, Paul. Can we give Paul a round of applause as well? Yeah, that's all, all right. Yeah, that's good, thank you. Kevin, do you want to come and share? 
Okay, this is the end of my list of prepared people. So, you know, I'm looking for others. Um, there's two things. Um, first of all, I don't know if you know, but uh, i am uh, got my own company, and I totally rely on God for work, believe it or not. He puts me in situations. Um, I don't know where they are. They just appear and come up. Uh, sometimes I might be for two weeks. Sometimes I might be for a month. Sometimes I might be for three months. Um, when I first go there, I don't know what it is that he's put me there for. But by the time I finish, I know why he did it. Um, because there was things that he wanted me to do while I was there. Um, so this has been going on now for approximately 12 years. Um, it's been extremely difficult at times because... I've not been at work and I've been thinking and praying to God, why have you done this? Why haven't you kept me in that job? And questioning lots of things. But, you know, um, I've grown to have a a massive faith in God. And I've got a a rock in God that I stand on. And I know he won't let me down. And he never has. He never will. Um, My wife doesn't believe in God at all. And she does get worried some of the time. In fact, all the time when I'm out of work. But I believe that, you know, her heart's changing a little bit and God's working, you know, like I said, 12 years. Uh, this has been going on. And um, I can honestly say, um, you know, he's, he's kept me, kept us going, you know, kept everything in, in, in where it's supposed to be. Um, so that was the first thing. And again, I'm in that position and I believe that, uh, you know, over the next week or so, or whenever it's in God's interest that he'll put me in a position again where he wants me to do something for him. Uh, whatever that may be, uh, speaking to somebody, listening to somebody on the site. Uh, might even be people that own the houses, listening to them and their problems, which is what the last one was. Um, lots of problems from people who actually live in the houses, believe it or not. Um, and not necessarily the people working on the site. Um, so that, that was the first thing. And the second thing is is uh, the road that I've been very, very privileged to be on. Is uh, I don't know whether you know, I'm a street pastor in Wallingford. And um, it's been absolutely fantastic. Um, I've seen things that I never, ever dreamed of seeing on the streets. People's talking to people who would never, ever talk to a priest, uh, a pastor or anybody would never even think of going to church have come up to me. And said, thank you very much for what you're doing. Um, I believe that what it is in, I believe in Acts. Um, somewhere in there it says that you do God's work, not, not by uh, speaking or telling, but by actions. Because they speak a lot louder than words. And I can honestly say, with street pastoring, that's what it actually is. Because we are not allowed to talk, part of the thing is you're not allowed to talk about God unless they bring it up. And then you can talk about God. But the reactions that we get, I was out at New Year's Eve and that was incredible, absolutely unbelievable. When you got parents coming up to you and, you know, wishing to give you donations for what you do, but obviously we can't accept them. Um, and thanking you for all what you've done, you know, hand out flip flops and lollipops and space blankets and bowls of water. Just making sure that their daughters and their children get home, children, young adults get home like they're supposed to. And sometimes them themselves. Sometimes the older people are worse than the younger people, believe it or not. It does happen, and we have had it. I mean, a little while ago, we had a man who was that drunk, he couldn't even remember where he lived. Um, So we got hold in touch with the police. He had nothing on him where he lived. Um, In the end, as luck has it, 
um, we found someone who knew him and knew where he lived and managed to get him home safely after a, a long period of time. But that is what we do. And that's what a street pastor is all about. It's about making sure that people late at night, they have a good time and that they're safe. And that is something that I believe is really desperately required in Digcar. It happens in Wallingford, happens in Wantage, it happens in Abingdon, it happens in Oxford. It happens in Reading. They're just starting one in uh, Henley. But the one where it's really needed the most is Didcot. And I believe that that's changing. And that's what's going to come here. Now, you know, people think they want to be street pastors. As I was told uh, when I first started my training, because it is a long process, it's about 18 months of training you have to go through. Um, I was told that it's not something that you want to do, it's something that God's called you to do. And that is absolutely true. Um, in the time, the commitment and what you have to do. You know, it's something that God, you've got to call him from God to do. And and that's that's exactly, and, it, and it's absolutely unbelievable. And I recommend that you have, if you have an opportunity to go out with someone, that you try it and you will, won't believe what you see and what you hear. It's absolutely amazing. Thanks, Kevin. If um, if that's something that you feel interested in or you feel God may be stirring, do talk to Kevin about it or do talk to me or Paul. Um, that'd be good to hear. And do pray for Kevin because, you know, he needs work. Tomorrow will be good. Let's pray now. Let's as a church pray now. Father, we want to thank you for Kevin. We want to thank you for your faithfulness to him. And we pray, would you provide him with work uh, again? At this time, a good job for him, we pray. Would you provide it in Jesus' name? Amen. Right. Who's next? Come on, Claire. That'd be great. Good morning, everybody. Um, this is a bit of improv here, and I'm not very good at improv, really. I can talk to death, but I'm not very good at planning my thoughts. Um, I read this passage in this little article about what do you fear. I wouldn't say I've just had one year of major worries. It feels like probably the last decade, actually. I've had lots of worries. Self-employed, uh, similarly to Kevin, and the uncertainty and the... The worry that I do is is way in above what, what it should be. But this article um, or this about fear, it's the future, death, losing your job, losing your home. I've had all of these. I've faced all of these and more in the last decade. Um, but and so I've worried a lot. And when I worry, sometimes I just don't feel I can connect with God. I don't always know that he's there. Uh, I find it hard to pray when uh, the pressure's on. Um, and I guess that's probably the same for all of us. But um, I read this beautiful, beautiful piece. And um, this guy was, was saying about the problems he'd had and the fear that comes. The fear is, is sometimes just overwhelming. And um, it's um, 1 John 14 reads... Perfect love casts out fear. Now, I, I, I often said to myself, well, 
I can't be perfect. I'm not perfect. I can't perfectly love others. I very I find it very hard loving myself enough um, or understanding um, God's love. I've really tried to to find out about Him and His character and how he is with us um, and being holy and perfect is something we can't always get our heads around, certainly not me. So um, I read on, um, if, if perfect love casts out fear, why am, I, why am I still afraid? The answer I discovered is, is simple, but disturbing. I must not be experiencing the complete perfect love of God. And that's what I used to say to myself. Um, but... Um, I tried to defend, he says, I tried to defend myself that that's not true. I love God. I go to church all the time, pray, lead Bible. So all the things that we do are, but they're all self-effort. And what this really goes on to say is, whose love is it that's perfect? You have to ask yourself, is it my love? Am I perfect? No, not even remotely. Very, very puny efforts most of the time. But... Um, God's love is perfect and it's God's love that we have to rely upon that is going to shape that perfection and that's going to to um, work within us um, so when we all try to do those things and be perfect and do great things I think what we've got to remember is that it's only God that can do it he's the one that gives us faith he puts it into us. He imputes it into us. He gives us the love, the greatest love that we could ever imagine. And the, the end of this verse, is, which is worth reading as well, is if we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. So I think what I've got to do is try and open myself up to that perfect perfect love and know that it's not my own efforts and it's not anything really that I can do other than really just release my own surrender to God and trust him completely because only he can do it not me um so there we are <laughs> right. thank you Claire I think we all need to get hold of God's perfect love for us he transforms everything. Great. Who's next? Great. Come on, Petra. Right. The word surrender keeps coming up. It came up in the song. And you know when God pokes you and he's like, right, you will say something. You will say something. Okay, so my decade has been an interesting up and down one. Uh, my parents got divorced, which was exciting after 18 years of marriage. And uh, this year has been crazy. It's been, they both got remarried in the summer. Samuel played Touch for England in Paris and they won. Woohoo. Thanks, Ruth. Gave me an amazing job, which I absolutely loved, but was incredibly hard. Um, and I reached a crisis point in May with everything going on. And I thought, right, God, I really need a change. I need a change, but I don't know what I'm doing. So I looked at return to nursing, um, just many different things. But I really, really didn't want to go back to nursing because I hate shift work. Didn't want to drive to Oxford. And I was like, right, God, come on, do something here. And then my friend who works at St. Brian's said, there's a science technician job coming up. And I was like, oh, OK. But my hours at Stephen Freeman are brilliant. Um, and then she, then she said, oh, it's for biology. And I'm like, yes, I can do biology. Um, and then she said, oh, it's eight to one, which is even better than 
the hours I was doing. And I'm like, right, these are all good things. Come on, but I've got to get through the interview. So I applied, I got shortlisted. I'm sat with this lady who was also shortlisted and I thought, okay, let's find out about her. Okay, so uh, what do you do? And she said, well, I'm a lab technician. I was like, great, perfect, good start. Um, and uh, where do you work? She said, well, I work in a secondary school. I was like, oh, even better. She's got the school system nailed as well. How long have you been doing that for? Seven years. Okay, so you're experienced. You're doing the job already. They're going to give you the job. So I got, if you want, I love the job I'm doing. I was quite happy to stay, but it was very emotionally taxing. Lots of sleepless nights. They gave me the job. Okay, so I'm like, great. Thank you, Lord. You've given me the job. My life is solved. Problem solved. Everything's wonderful. Went back. Worked through, one of the technicians for physics handed her notice in, got a better job, better pay. Okay, that's fine, I know nothing about physics, I'm now doing biology, I'm half doing physics, it's okay. God, you're in charge, you've given me the job, perfect. The process of application just seemed to take forever and went back in September, running around like a headless chicken. But I'm enjoying it and I'm sleeping, which is good. Um, and then they hired this other lady who couldn't start for weeks and then the other technician handed her notice in. Okay, so that leaves a new technician who hadn't started and me. There was a week overlap between the old technician who'd been there for years and years and knew everything and me start, and the new lady starting. So a week of handover. And then it turns out that I am the most experienced technician at the boys' school. Great. Um, just before Christmas, three weeks before Christmas, I got a phone call. The other technician had started. She, I'm still teaching her. She broke her foot. So she's then not working, which leaves me doing it all on my own. And I said to Rachel, she said, right, right, God really wants me to have this job. He's given me this job. And then the words keep coming up in that song, my soul, Lord, to you surrenders. And do you know what? Even though it's as hard, I did 23,000 steps in one day. Um, it's, I love it. It's brilliant. It's great. And I'm trust. And I think the reason is, it's a bit like you were saying, it's about the trusting God. It's about the surrendering. It's about, right, God, you've given me this job over somebody who would be far better suited to doing it. But actually, it's not about me being in control anymore. It's about you being in control. And right, you've put me here. Why am I here? The new technician that started is lovely. She's got um, evangelical family members, so I'm praying for her. I'm already on it. And the new lady is starting in January, which is great, but she also doesn't know anything. But I'm like, right, God, I am surrendering. You know, everything else is kind of, I, I'm not in control of any of it. That's what happens when your parents get divorced. You realize that there's nothing that is out of the ordinary and out of control. But my soul is surrendering and God's put me there and it's going to be amazing. And maybe it's about gathering a new team and it's all going to be fab. But this year is the year of my soul surrendering. <laughs> Thanks, Petra. And that ties in with what we were saying earlier about God inviting us to come on a journey with him, to be part of what he's doing, bringing his glory into this world. Right, we've got time for... Probably one or two more. Who else would like to share? Great. Come on, Claire. Yeah, it's good. No, it's because I got a cold head. Um, <coughs> good morning, everybody. So I'm. <coughs> most of you know that I work for Turning Point. Um, most of you won't know where it is because we're nicely hidden away. Um, and Turning Point is an agency for people who have addictions, um, mostly of drug and alcohol. Actually, how many people know where Turning Point is in Deedcourt? Okay, about, yeah, about half. So, yeah, Matt does. I see him every morning. Um, so, yeah, so, and the other thing is, 
we're working with families at the moment. I'm seconded to the, the child protection team, and we're working with families who have um, parents who are in high addiction. So we're talking sort of heroin, crack cocaine, that sort of thing. And um, But I just wanted to encourage you and get you guys to pray for the guys on the streets in Didcot. Um, at the moment, we've got 400 families in South Oxfordshire. That's as Didcot, Wantage, Wallingford and Abingdon. Um who are all addicted to drugs. That's not including the alcohol ones. That's just, just the high end, high end of things. Um, and when I was little, I went to a Church of England church. Do you know that song, um, The Wise Man Builds His House Upon the Rock? Yeah. Some of you know it. And the rains came tumbling down. And I use that almost every day in an analogy. And I say to people, what you've got to do is put your foundations in place. Because when the rains come down, if you're building your foundations on sand, they're going to go flat. But if you build your foundations on concrete, then they're not going to go flat because the rain will come down and they'll, they'll stay. And I was doing this with a, a lady the other day, and she went, that's from the Bible. I said, yes, it is. And it worked out that she, she was a Christian when she was little but isn't anymore. And it's just we're getting little opportunities in Turning Point to talk to people. Obviously, we're not allowed to bring it up either, um, but if, if they talk to us, and it's really interesting because I don't know if you know about AA, the 12 steps, and we I did the 12 steps of recovery in Celebrate Recovery, which was quite a few years ago at the King Centre. Um, but it is changing in Didcot. The drug scene is changing, and we are getting successes. We're getting successes every month for drug and alcohol. But if you guys could just pray for us, the team, and just everybody on the streets, because, you know, drugs are killing these families, we're having children taken away left, right and centre um, and we need God to, to move in and, You know, he's the only one that's going to change this Don't go away wait, wait, come here <laughs> Right, we're going to pray Do you want to lead us in praying for Turning Point? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Father, thank you that we have Turning Point in Didcot, thank you that we've got an NHS that will fund this sort of work um, and it's free to our clients and our families. Father, I just I pray for all our families out there, Lord, that at some point they may see a break in their addiction, that they may want to change, they may want something better. And Lord, I just pray for the team at Turning Point that we may be able to focus um, our, our work. And we do have Christians in the office. There are three of us. Um, and I just, I just pray that you will use us um, through our words and our actions to make big changes in these families' lives and bring these families to a wholeness that they would never, ever have even thought about before. Amen. Great. Thank you, Claire. Okay, one more, I think. Okay, it might be joke time. What's, what's got four eyes and a mouth? The Mississippi. Okay. okay. Anyone else want to do a testimony before I tell some more? Ah, uh, well then, Chris. It's a sacrifice. <laughs> um, and I haven't got any jokes, so... Um, so a few of you will know that uh, we had um, a sort of challenging last few months of last year, uh, a few 
difficulties, challenges, some sadness with Joe's grandma, some family situations, so just three or four months of, of quite challenging situations. And um, <coughs> got to the end of the year, we, we have a little jar, thankfulness jar we have in our house that throughout the year, the idea is that all of us put something in when we're thankful to God for something happening. And um, one of the things that I wanted to put in there was actually, despite all these things that we had faced and gone through, that I had known that God was with me and uh, he had never left me. And that's, you know, that's a passage from the Bible. And, uh, and it was, I was got a lot of encouragement from that and looking forward to this year, I was thinking, yes, God is going to be with me. Um, but then he challenged me, he said, yes, I'm with you. But if I go for a walk with Joe and we walk out together and I don't talk to her or I don't hold her hand or anything like that, it's not really much of a relationship. I know she's there, she's with me, but it's not much, you know, not a relationship really, is it? Um, and actually God was saying that, yes, I'm with you always, but you do need to take hold of my hand. You do need to talk to me. You do need to have that relationship with me. And it was just sort of an encouragement, but a challenge as well to say, take it that much further. Sometimes, you know, we, we don't turn to God when we need to. We don't ask him for help. We just try and do it in our own strength. And uh, I was just encouraged and challenged to take hold of his hand and move forward, uh, knowing he's there, but also you know, building that relationship. Chris, Chris, don't go away. Come here. Cool. I think that's actually a really good sort of point to leave it on, but to think about for this year. I'm going to ask Chris to pray for us all that we would know God with us through the year. How do you up for doing that? Yeah. Lord, I thank you that you do promise <coughs> to never leave us nor forsake us. You will always be there. You are always around us. You are always opening your arms uh, for us just to run into them, to take hold of your hand, Lord. And I just pray that <coughs> as we go into this year, that we would do that more and more. We would not only know your presence with us, Lord, but we would uh, talk to you, we'd work with you, we would listen to you and uh, go forward in strength and encouragement and boldness uh, into whatever we have to take on this year, whatever we have to face, whether there's highs or lows, Lord, uh, that we would know you are there with us and that we would walk with you and talk with you in all that we do. Thank you, Lord, that you are always there with us. Amen. Great. Thank you, Chris. And thank you, everyone who shared. Uh, that's brilliant. So in a moment, we're going to break bread. Um, Rob, would you be able to play something while we get going? Thank you. Um, the kids will come in. Some wonderful people are bringing tables in. I'm just going to go and wash my hands, um, and then we will uh, we'll get started. <laughs>